Welcome to what will be our final episode of Shark Stories in this season. And once again, we're going to resume where we left off in our last episode with Mike Ratson. Very excited to have Mike and the world-renowned shark conservationist and really somebody that's got incredible experience with these beautiful animals, these apex predators. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Sarah Andriotti. It's been really great spending the last eight episodes with you and I hope there's going to be lots more. Same. Thank you very much. And I'm so excited about today's episode because I can say that Mike is the reason why I live in South Africa now. It's all his fault. I wouldn't do what I'm doing if it wasn't for this one. Good. Well, that's great for us. So we're very lucky to have you here. And Mark, you're speaking about um, at the time um, you were just starting out your career in Khansbai and spending a lot of time with white sharks. And there were a lot around at the time. So you mentioned a significant amount of sharks around your boat. You said at the time 48 different individuals at one particular time. And... The most I've ever died with is 24 at once. 24 white sharks? Yeah, that I, I could identify. Wow. Yeah, but weren't you charming with a whale? Yes, yes. It, there was a dead whale in the water. Yeah. Yeah, just um, thought I mentioned it. And the, the, the night dive, we also had 24. Well. But when you dive with the great whites in such an environment you've got to try and fit within the social dynamics. It's like um, the ultimate chess game. So you've got to concentrate and not do the wrong things. So it is not stressful and it's not uh, adrenaline rush. It's uh, hyper-concentration. Okay. When you talk about the social behavior and the interaction just before we ended uh, last time you mentioned they have a social structure and they're not lone animals we maybe yeah. just look at that um, when we worked with them especially the big females the, these five and a half meter males they would just come in and uh, everything just moves out of the way so you better do the same they the boss and then they off again the social structure when we are diving gets mostly dominated by huge females like four and a half meter plus animals mm. and they are sweetie pies really yeah um normally because mm. they are not young and dumb anymore you know yeah. <laughs> um so it's nice working with them and they normally this little three meter especially the males come in. They like the 17-year-old boys that go to the pub and has three beers and want to fight with everyone. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> mama comes and just chases them away. Mm. So it's more relaxing diving in with 24 animals in a healthy system than diving with one or two three-meter males in an unhealthy system. Okay, understand. And unfortunately... Uh, yet to the end of the diving in Hanspai, we were diving with the three-meter animals. Mm. And, yeah, we're a um, little bit more um, worrying. Yeah, so, it was, so you, you felt more exposed with them. It's like going into a bar brawl. Exactly. You, they, they, they want to flex their muscles all the time. Get a bit more mm. fasty. Yeah. Yes, but they still go in a social structure. The one, the only dive I was happy, you know, honoured enough to be doing with more than 
one white shark, but we had three. They still went in a social dynamic yeah. around the, the source of, of food mm. with the dominant one making smaller circle, the other two standing on the yeah. edge of it, getting into a pattern. It's fascinating mm. to read. Let's put it this way. I've never seen a feeding frenzy in my life. Okay. Um, everything the animals do is structured. One animal is, uh, and I've dived with a few uh, well caucuses. I've dived uh, with all kinds of uh, um, chums with them, and you would see they form their social hierarchy, they work it out, and one shark would come in, do its business, go out, another shark would come in. Uh, with the well caucuses, if one were eating on the head of the well and another one comes in and eat on the tail, mm. there used to be a proper structure. Yeah. And my opinion, the more the structure got destroyed, the more the attacks increased. Mm. It wasn't the amount of sharks increasing the way people proclaimed. It was actually the breaking up of the social system. Mm. There wasn't that big mamas mm. teaching the kids. Yeah, so it's almost like the elephants. All animals, including humans, Mm. You would have two boys growing up, one's on this side of the tracks and one side on that side of the tracks. And I bet you the one's going to become a lawyer and the other one's going to become a gangster. And I don't know who's the best mm. at it, but yeah. yeah, that is your upbringing. Mm, 100%. But obviously, uh, Mark, when you were operating, uh, you know, spending a lot of time and interacting with the white sharks, you got a lot of attention. So everybody around the world, and I mean, if I look at your the pedigree, you had a National Geographic's Beyond Fear, which was in 2005. That was viewed by more than 300 million people. So that's just insane. Multitude of appearances on national and international media's um, Shark Man Eaters or Misunderstood, Discovery's Shark Man, 60 Minutes with Anderson Cooper on CBS, BBC's Natural Worlds, The Great White Shark, A Living Legend, and Shark Night, and then IMAX 3D film. So you can imagine some of the footage of the great white shark. Um, so there was a lot going on uh, yeah, with I, the media. Yeah, I was um, honored enough to be able to uh, make documentaries like that. The reason why we made the documentaries or I made the documentaries is um, to try and get some of the knowledge out of how the animals used to be. When I started diving, it was thought if you put your toe in the water, it'll get bitten off. So mm. of course, beyond fear, um, we got in the water and we survived. Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, with shark nights, we actually dived with them at night. And With the great whites? With the great whites, yes. With um, living legend, we dived with them while they were hunting. <laughs> Look, I've looked, I've watched these, and it's it's, it's really mind blowing. It eh? is mind blowing. It's, yeah. it's yes, but it, people don't understand. Like, take shark nights. It took me twelve years to figure out how to do it. Mm. it yeah, I see. It you, didn't just happen. So it's very pragmatic. I mean, you went yeah. through everything. You you learned. Yeah. Yeah. And you almost died several times on that movie, and never because of sharks, right? Yeah. Um, I uh, got lost in the ocean, really lost. I got sure. bent. Mm. Well, 
uh, ran out of air. <laughs> and that's at night? Uh, Diane night. I got lost at night. If I remember it right, the idea uh, was see if it is the sharks that are going to kill you if you drift in the ocean mm. yes. or if it is but the it, sea. And they were supposed to keep an eye on him. Yeah. That's uh, because it's yes. a movie. They don't lose your, you don't lose your main character uh, for good. Yeah. But they did. So yeah. he ended up drifting for like two days. Man, <laughs> um, the way the, to make movies, uh, the ocean's a very difficult place to make movies, especially at night. So the film crew had to put lights down. And we had a big generator on board the vessel. Now, of course, a cable runs to these lights. So some clever dude bought this fishing float. It's already got a hole through everything. And sorry, glued them on intervals mm. on this cable to so it'll it float and then it can float away from the boat and everything's fine. But it's sardine size. <laughs> <laughs> so one of those, the black tips came in, thought it's a sardine, mm. and bit into her, and it got electrocuted. Oh, my goodness. I saw that raced up and grabbed the the cable to try and get it out, and the cable was bitten through, so then I got electrocuted. Um, eventually, they did put the generator off, and I got the cable out of the shock, but the the animal was slightly traumatized, so I was swimming it to revive it mm. again. And the next moment I saw the bottom, and then I was at 64 meters where I, I wasn't supposed to be. Wow, okay. Yeah, and then when I came up, the boat was gone. <laughs> so, so the boat was gone? Yeah, the, the, the bottom current. So I'm diving in the current, yeah. and the bottom current ran cross to the top current. So okay. as soon as I went through so the one current direction. into another current, it changed my direction. I went, wee, down. <laughs> when I came up, the boat wasn't where wow. it's supposed to be. And they were seeing that the current was going the other way. I looked for you on the other and side. Wrong. And then luckily, luckily, they, they found me. Sure. Mark, we covered a story in Australia where there was shrimp fishing and they went upside down and there were four people on the boat and a tiger shark came in and finished three of them off. Yes. And they drifted one night. So mm. it's not it's not for the faint-hearted. When we were diving, the animals behaved in context, especially like where you're holding onto the boat that's still got the fish in Mm. You know, and um, the animals are coming in. That can be problematic. When I dive with animals, I haven't got the chum on me. Mm. I haven't got the smell on me. So I'm just like any other predator. I like to think that I'm something like a jackal on a lion feed, mm. where the lions won't spend the energy to attack the jackal because that is not why they're there, mm. if the jackal behaves. But now if the jackal misbehaves and goes and hangs on the source of the smell, then you can have okay. uh, problems. I've heard from Sarah and from yourself that 
often there's a certain language that a shark will display, so physical display, and humans obviously don't understand that. They might be swimming with this one attack in Australia. This gentleman was swimming towards a rocky outcrop where there was a lot of fish, and he was hit violently by a great white, almost like a seal being taken out. And at the time, Sarah, I asked you about it, and you said that was one pissed-off shark. Yes. And and he didn't speak. He didn't speak shark. I can tell you about my experience. We did have about two thousand okay. in two thousand about two thousand one. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the date exactly. Um, the BBC uh, the BBC came out to Hanspai. They were on another vessel, and that's when HD cameras uh, just came out. And they were massive things, you know. And they put them in this massive silver box to go into the water. And they had this, and they were uh, worth millions of rands at the mm. time. And um, they they had this thing on the stick filming the Great Whites. And the shark came around, looked at it, and looked at it. And the next moment, you just saw a stick going through the water <laughs> and then disappearing. So me, of course, uh, I wouldn't mind having a camera like that. Mm. So the next time we were going to dive, um, it was about eight meter vis. And I went down with two cameramen and I told them that there wasn't a shark at the time. Uh, the shark went off. I said, okay, just hold on a bit. I'm going to look for the camera. And where the camera was supposed to lie is a gully. There's a big reef breaking a wave over and then there's the gullies and the, the cameras must have lain in that gully. Um, I was swimming and in the gully it was about four meters. So I'm swimming mm. down the gully looking for the camera and something told me to turn around and I turned around and fortunate for me in my hand I had this bright yellow little VX1000 camera in a C-Lux housing, bright yellow housing. And the five and a half meter male shark hit me three or four times. Three or four times luckily hit on the on the on the, the camera housing. The camera housing because I I didn't have much control over that mm. situation. And then we went back uh, I, I worked the shot back to the other guys and it pinned us down for another 20 minutes and then it saw another shark and it went off to chase that animal. Wow. And we just made a, a beeline for the surface and the second cameraman were almost at the surface when the shark came back. So I he did a vertical on him, and that's not a good thing. Mm. So I went and punched the shark in the belly with my camera, and the shark turned around, and then I had to go down to the bottom. Wow. And oh, that's then insane. It, it pinned me down there for another bit, and then it started making uh, wider circles, not tight circles. And I worked it up to the boat, um, to the bottom of the cage. We had a cage mm. in the water and it wouldn't allow me to get past the cage for a while. And then when it gave me a gap, I was, I flew with my scuba gear, camera, everything (laughs) over the gunnel. I don't know how I did it until Uh, today. Adrenaline. Um, 
But that whole incident started when I went into the area where a big male great white's hunting that's chasing all the other predators out. And mm. I, it must have tried to warn me. I didn't see, you know. Mm. And then it reacted in a way that it reacts to all the other predators that didn't mm. listen. Yeah, so he wanted you to leave. Yeah, I've never seen an unprovoked attack in my life. Okay. It's always something that I did wrong and then the animals react to mm. it. And that's probably what happens in shark attacks with the call um, unprovoked shark attacks is… is there's uh, a trigger. There's a trigger. That's that's what triggered the animal. So it's the only time when you can say that it is an unprovoked attack is where hunger is the greatest motivator. Mm -hmm. If the animal is very hurt or uh, very hungry, um, the uh, uh, hunger is the greatest motivator. People eat out of garbage cans not because mm -hmm. they want to. They want to survive. Mm. And any animal have that drive to survive. And then it would start preying on things that it normally doesn't. Sorry to bring up Natal Shark Sport because they're not my friends. Mm. But they did catch an animal um, that I heard about. And the animal had parasites in its gut, in its stomach. That made it couldn't get its food digested and inside its belly was 47 sand crabs and that's not on their diet mm. but the animal was in dire straits and went mm. and the, that was a food source it tried to take yeah. that's incredible I could talk forever on this I have to say Mark it's been incredible to have you over the last two episodes and I would definitely would like to to do it again oh, thank you thanks for having me here yeah. and I can talk about shocks for a long time. Yeah, me too. We and didn't even touch on the time you lost my sampling pole, and you thought I grabbed you by the fin, and it was a shark instead. You know, there are yeah. a lot of story in the shark story yeah. we could yes. keep for the next time. But yeah. um, <coughs> he, he reckoned it was my fault. Uh, okay, you can. It was yeah. his fault <laughs> with with the pole, but it's arguably. But Sarah, it's also been great spending you know the, the last eight episodes with you. And with all your in-depth knowledge and your scientific, pragmatic way that you think about things. So I've really enjoyed the ride and I look forward to season two. Same. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Shark Stories. Shark Stories is proudly sponsored by the Shark Safe Barrier, the first shark-specific and eco-friendly solution to the shark-human conflict.